It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts, and actions. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of It's About to Go Down. I am Mark Williams. And I'm Kathy Armias, and we have with us Chad Phillips today. Chad has been a small business owner for over 18 years. He's also the co-founder. Mark, this is so cool. I bet you don't even know what this is. He's a co-founder of an organization called Circle Anywhere. And it's, I had to write this down because it's a platform that helps with relational uh, meditation. And he'll have to tell you more about that. It's really cool. But Chad has this idea and, and this is it. Is everybody listening? Like this is such a, um, it's such an impactful, uh, you know, idea. Here it is. What happens when you remove yourself from the trappings and comfortability of your modern home and you re-decide how to survive? Whoa. Like, I can't wait to get into this. Um, <laughs> Chad, welcome to our show. Please tell us Thank a you. little bit about that idea to get us going. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. First of all, I'm really excited to be here. I think the first thing that's helpful is to is to kind of put a context around the idea and to say that I'm not a subject matter expert in anything I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> I'm a person who's moderately handy, who has a great degree of determination. So I kind of think of this as as either one big experiment or maybe a bunch of little experiments that's become one big experiment. And the experiment started in January of this year. I was living in Portland, Oregon, in a nice little comfy 500 square foot studio condo. The, the sort of the running bit that I had was I was three bubbles in. I'm in the US, which is a first world country. I'm in Portland, which is this progressive city. And I'm in a co-housing community in a condo, which is this sort of like progressive community living structure. So I was very bubbled up, you know, um, and I was, I was happy there. I was very grateful to have, uh, felt very lucky to have that circumstance. Um, but yeah, just was just heading towards turning. Uh, I just had just turned 50. And I think I was having whatever my version of a midlife crisis is, you know, I was, I could tell I was sort of asking myself the kinds of questions that are part of that stage of life, right. And I just, I, I think in my life, I've often, it seems like always, it's not directly rebellious, but it's just, I want there to be some kind of unique experience coming out of me. So I didn't, I didn't want to do the things that felt like, I didn't want to do a bunch of cliche behaviors because I was having a midlife crisis, you know, buying a fast car, etc. So I just sort of put myself to, I just put myself in the space where I was wanting to receive what was going to be like the next big thing that would, that would power that this phase of my life. And it came to me fairly intuitively. Like it was, it was a, probably over a period of a day or two, I just got this idea of like, I'm going to go into the woods and I'm going to build and I'm going to film it and I'm going to show people what that's like. And I don't really know what I'm doing. So a lot of it is the adventure of somebody who's, you know, cause you could go, you go on YouTube, see a video and some dude has been doing it for 20 years and he's telling you how to do it. Right. I'm not telling anybody how to do it. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right? We're watching you figure out how to yeah, do it. They're watch right. But, but, but part of it is that with, it's like, these are the skill sets that you really need. It's like, you have to be really determined and, and, and not afraid to look bad or, or not afraid to fail. Like the, those, are, those are such the fundamental qualities, right? Mm. I mean, I can say, and we can get into a little more detail later with some of the specifics, but a lot of what I did 
wasn't, I mean, it's far from rocket science. It's a bunch of different basic survival stuff that was, for me, it was very stressful just because it was the first time I've ever done it. And I'm like, and I'm a sort of a type A perfectionist. I want to get it just right. But now looking back, it's, it's not, a, a lot of it's not that hard. It's just, there's, there was just a lot of it. You know, I, I packed a lot into seven months, but each individual step is, is fairly simple. And there's, there's simple things you can do. I'm learning to be able to, to provide for your basic needs without a modern home. Right. So not a subject matter expert experiment, which then comes, you know, then we start to kind of get into the idea, which, uh, you know, you, you kind of captured a, a big part of it. Like, what is it like to redecide how to survive? Right. Now, can yep. you tell us some of the things like, like what, what, is, what are some of those modern day things that, that create the abstracts that you talk about? You, you talk For about sure. some of this being an abstract. Right. Right. Well, so uh, I was, uh, I mentioned to you guys earlier, I was working on a blog post just this morning um, and in it towards the end, I'm, I'm kind of was pointing to the movie, The Matrix, which I'm, I don't think I'm going to spoil it for anybody at this point. I've probably seen it by now, but there's a really like iconic scene where, where the protagonist Neo wakes up and he's like in this liquid like container and he's got tubes all plugged into him and he kind of wakes up to the fact that he's, he's been unconscious and all of his life, like all the things that were supporting his real life were, were just being pumped into him through these tubes, mm -hmm. right? And so one of the things I've kind of become more clear on is that my, my that I went underwent a similar, like not in conceptually similar kind of thing where I realized that the tubes, I had tubes plugged in too. They just weren't plugged into my body. They were plugged into my condo. And what I mean by that is there's water there's, you know, sewage, there's electricity, there's some kind of heating system, like all these things are just hooked to your unit, right? And you, you get them and you get as much as, as you want. I'm going to blow, I don't remember the name of the book I was reading at all, but way back in the beginning, I was reading a book about home building. And this, this person was, was talking about how way, like way back in the day, when, when a house was built, there was all of this consideration about the environment that it was being built in, you know, like the materials that you would get for the home would be materials from the land and, and you would, you would build it based upon the environment. And so the, the building took come out vastly different based upon whether you were in, you know, on the border of the Arctic circle or in, in South America, right? Like there's, there would be wildly different. And that's changed in modern times to what he, he kind of referred to it as like a spaceship model where you have this module, you have this module, and this module has these standard hookups and you just drop it anywhere and you mm. hook up your quote unquote life support to it. And now you have a home, right? Which in a certain way is amazing. I mean, with a spaceship, you can go anywhere, right? And it's, and everything's the same. That's, you know, that's kind of the part of what I was pointing at when I, when I think about abstractions, that's part of what I'm thinking of is it, it provides this convenience where everything's sort of standardized. So everybody has a common experience, which is wonderful, right? So there's, there's lots of advantages to it. That's why human beings have done, done that. Abstractions mm -hmm. have massive advantages. But I began to also ask myself the question, what are those abstractions costing me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let's take the example of heat, right? I think that's, that's a pretty good example. So if you have, I mean, let me ask, we'll start with a question. So it, let's suppose you guys wanna raise the heat in your house and you're, you're not gonna do it, you're not gonna put it closed on, you're gonna actually raise the temperature. Like, what do you do? What do you guys do? Press the button. Press the button. 
or if you're old school, you got a little dial you turn in, right? <laughs> okay, so think about that device and now take that and just stick it on a wall somewhere and don't hook it up to anything. If you did the same behavior, you turn it or you push a button, would you expect the temperature to change? No. So, so in some sense, you're not interacting directly with the thing that makes your house warmer, right? And that's kind of what I mean by an abstraction or an interface. It's something that simplifies uh, and kind of hides the real thing that's going on that creates the change, right? And there are lots of advantages to abstractions. You, can, you probably can walk into any house in this country for sure and figure out how to turn the temperature up, right? Because it's standard, right? It's fairly, you can push a button up or down, you dial the thing, it's, it's pretty, you can turn on water. You can go to any, now, excepting some of the hotel rooms I've been in where I'm like, how do you turn the water on this faucet? <laughs> but generally speaking, you can operate and you can operate water because they've been standardized. So that's a huge advantage, right? And, and it's also very convenient. I turn a faucet or I dial this. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. So you do this motion and it gets warmer and it gets to the exact temperature that you want. And it stays there as long as you want. Mm. I mean, that's, that's a miracle. <laughs> like, yeah, if you, yeah. if you told somebody 500 years ago, they could do that. They'd be like, you're magic. You're just talking about magic, <laughs> right? But it's not, now it's just like normal, right? It's not magic anymore. And so there are massive advantages. And the question I'm asking myself is, what is the cost? It's oftentimes easy, I think, when you see the society evolving, new technology coming out, that you see the things that are good about it. But there's also, everything's a trade-off, right? And so what, what is all dealing in all of this abstraction and convenience and comfort costing us, right? And my one of the things I contend is, well, let me okay, I'll ask another question. Do you, are you familiar with this idea of like, you can't, it's fundamentally different experience to describe what an apple tastes like versus like picking up an apple and eating it, right? That seems like a fairly common, like it's kind of a thing that's, that's one of the sort of classic 101 personal development things, right? There's this whole different thing with direct experience, right? And so I've kind of taken that same concept and applying, and applying it to like basic resources of survival, you know? So go back, back to the heat example. This is not making your house warmer, right? But it, it's an indirect way that you control it, but it's not exactly what's happening. When I heat my place now, I pick up the wood. I feel the weight of it in my hands. I feel the dent, like the density of it. It's, it's a, I can feel there's energy in there basically, right? I feel the vibration of the ax as I split it. When I put it in the fireplace, I, can, I see it light on fire. I feel the heat directly on my body. And then maybe most importantly, I can see that resource being spent. Mm. Like I see the log going and burning up into ashes. I, I know directly that it, is a, that it is a temporary limited resource that I have to replenish. Whereas opposed to in a modern house, when you, die, when you do this, I don't think most people, I didn't have any awareness like a resource is being spent. It's just like, that should just be that way forever. I just do that. And it goes exactly the way I want it. And it may, stays that way for weeks on end. And I don't think about it. Same thing with water. Turn the faucet, water magically comes out as much as you want, right? Yeah. Hmm. So, so the more, so there, there is, to me, there's this, there's this analogy of this idea of like somebody describing eating an apple versus eating one. It's similar to this idea of like, there's this conceptual way of like how, how you get warm and there's this direct bodily experience that I'm having. 
of heating my heating my place. It's a much more in, like intense, um, intense is one way to put it, uh, complex, nuanced, mm-hmm. uh, impactful would be another word I would think of, experience that, that loads into my body than, than the idea of getting my house warm by turning a knob. Is that, am I making sense? You, you, you are a much richer experience. Like there's more work, but that's the cost, right? The cost is more work, but the, the benefit is this hugely more rich experience. I have, I have a relationship with my stove. Like we don't go on dates or anything, but I mean, I tend my stove and it tends to my need for heat. Like it, like it almost feels vulnerable to say it. Like it's, it's, it is this really there's, there's a little bit of kind of an odd kind of intimacy there. It's like maybe like the kind where when you're a sailor, you get to develop an intimacy with your, sh- with your ship or whatever, that kind of thing. Like it's got that kind of, kind of flavor to it, you know? Mm. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't ever remember having that kind of relationship with my furnace. With your heater. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't expect that. Like I expected some things to happen, but when that happened, I was like, what the hell? This is feels amazing but like didn't didn't see that one coming you know i will literally wake up the the air temperature in my place will drop 15 degrees and my i'll be dead asleep and i'll wake up and go oh i gotta put a log on the fire like i'm that my body is that unconsciously attuned to my stove now it's Mm. it is so it's just so cool to be able to have that level of connectedness you know uh, (laughs) i'm gonna speak to you chad as not as the guy who, when I was a teenager, went on a three-day hike on the Appalachian trails, right? And had to dig holes and all that stuff. I'm gonna speak to you, Chad, as a concrete jungle, growing up in in a Brooklyn house, (laughs) where I could press the buttons, where I'm like, thank goodness it's not cold in this house anymore, right? (laughs) Talk to me about and, and talk to everybody about, right? Like, it, it's one thing to, to, to hear you, right, on this one. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, all right, this is great. This guy, Chad, has roughed it, and he's going out in the woods, and he's recording it, and I can watch it, and I can learn about mm-hmm. being connected, and I can learn about, you know, how my resources are, are, are being used up. But I'm glad he's doing it. I <laughs> hope he's not asking me to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But on some level, you are asking us, maybe not necessarily to right. move out of the condo and move into, you know, a Yom in, in Maine, mm-hmm. but you you are asking us to do something. So yep. could you tell Agreed. us a little bit more about exactly what is it that you're asking us to do? So 100%. I'm not moving to the Yom in Maine, right? I'm yeah, right. No, the- I get it. I get it. Kids won't let me do it, Jack. I have an answer to your question. I feel very excited. Oh, boy. It almost feels like that thing in volleyball where you've like, you've like set me and I'm ready to spike it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Bump, set, spike kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so so the first thing I want to say is that I, I've, I've believed for a long time there is a difference between sort of like a fundamental message and the vehicle for the message. Mm-hmm. So I think of the fact that I'm, I'm in the woods roughing it, filming it. That's my vehicle right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that is the thing that, that it's almost like a, it's kind of like a calling card. Does that make sense? It's like, it's something It's like, what he's doing, what, you know, and it, it keeps yep. people's interests and it gets the initial engagement, but it's not really the fundamental message. 
right? It's just the thing that I can deliver the fundamental message through. It's like, they kind of work together, I think, right? Like with no vehicle, it's hard to deliver the message, but with only a vehicle, it's empty, right? So the, the yeah, vehicle is totally. this sort of, like, I can't remember if I said this before, but, but the, the modus operandi when I got there was I wanted to, I want to get as close as possible to making decisions about basic survival as possible. Right. Mm. And so with, and that had to operate within my skill set. So as an example, if you put me naked in the woods with a knife in Maine, I would die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I'm not, there are people I think that are that capable, but it isn't me. Okay. I'm, as I said before, I'm moderately handy, you know, and I, and I would die faster. So. Just, I just want to put it out there <laughs> I would die before you, Chad. So. All of us would die pretty quickly. I'd, I'd pretty quickly. I'd be the first. <laughs> oh, it's a contest now. <laughs> just saying I'm good at some things. I'm great at that. Where no. was I? Oh yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I, I found cha a challenge zone, right? Like I, so I, I didn't do, I, I picked things that would be hard, but not impossible. As, as I would say it, right? And that that's kind of what makes the calling card is like, it's clear that I'm, that I'm facing some challenge, right? And I'm also, well, I, it kind of leads into what I think the message is. This is where the vehicle points to the message. So, and I, I got to draw another um, sort of, draw from another thing that I think is common in our culture. You guys have heard of this idea, I'm guessing, tell me if you haven't, that that evolutionarily speaking, <clears throat> our desire for things like sugar and salt are baked deep into our, our desires because there was a time when those were really valuable resources. And so deep in our biology, we want, if we see a fatty thing, we say, oh, it's calories, it's gonna be good for me, right? And so now that we've, we can basically have as much sugar and salt as we want anytime that we want, that biological, deeply embedded evolutionary biological mechanism has more than started. It's very actively working against us, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like you cross, you cross over. There's, if you think of like vitality as a curve and you're going up, I'm getting more salt and sugar because it's this necessary resource. And then you, at some point you peak, like you're getting enough, right? And you keep going and you're gonna go, you're going down the other side. You're getting less and less vital. You're making yourself sick, okay? So my my message that I'm, and I'm, you know, this is still, as I said, this is an experiment. So I'm, this is part of why I'm excited to kind of get you guys feedback, but I have this theory that works similar as sugar and salt to, and it's around kind of, I might call it just comfort and convenience. Probably comfort is, is more of a better general term. So my theory is <clears throat> that similar to the way sugar and salt worked, Seeking comfort was a deep evolutionary drive because when, because life was really hard, like for most of human history, it was really hard. And I, I've peeled back just enough layers in my experience out there to, to like begin to get a bodily sense of how hard it is. Like I'm out there chopping trees and cutting them with a chance. I'm like, this is really hard work. And I have a chainsaw, right? I have boots on. Like how in the hell did human beings like make it out there walking around? Like, how did they do it? Like, I just, it blows my mind. But what I do know, I don't know how they did it, but what I do know is it had to be really hard because it was pretty hard for me to do it. And I have all these modern conveniences, even though I'm roughing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you think about how hard it could it could have been, it, I think it's easy to imagine that that biological drive to make things more and more comfortable, less harsh, could be deeply baked into ourselves. And similar to the way that curve is for sugar and salt, we kept getting better and better at being able to provide comfort and convenience for ourselves, 
And we, somewhere there's a peak, right? Somewhere there's a place where another drop of comfort and convenience actually doesn't increase your vitality, it decreases it. And so that, that's, that's the fundamental message that I'm driving for is pay attention to that, to, to where that happens, you know, look for things like interfaces and abstractions that are, that are removing you from your direct connection with life that are probably also removing you from, from, from discomfort, some discomfort and complexity and work. Know that there's a benefit and a cost to that. And if, you, if you're getting too much of that, and you, you know, then you're probably headed down the other side. I, I firmly believe in proactive discomfort, I guess, is that if I was, if I was ever gonna teach a class, it would, be, it would be on something I would call proactive discomfort. Like, don't, don't wait for life to be, to, don't wait for life to make you uncomfortable. Just go right at it, do, do it on purpose. That's what yoga is for me and anytime I've ever done it. It's like an hour or three times a week that I suffer and every single time, and like the other 20, like, you know, 23 hours a day of every day or whatever, I feel the vitality of it. I ch- mm. like, it's a, ch- it's a choice to do something uncomfortable because it produces vitality. Produces something greater it, than the discomfort produ- yeah. that you have. Yeah. You will not achieve your greatest vitality by always seeking comfort. Maybe that's another kind of way to put it, right? Yeah. It, that's an illusion. Like you, you have to be somewhere, you have to be challenged or uncomfortable or some kind of like healthy level of stress. Like the, to me, those are absolutely essential items for vitality and to like, mm. to live, to, for me to live, I'll just, I should keep it personal for me to live my best life. I have to have some discomfort or challenge. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, you know, but it has to be something. I, I first of all, I, I, I just geeked out over the term proactive discomfort. I love that. I love me that too. Term. Me too. <laughs> that is great. I, I, I don't know if that's something you've always said. Or no, I think I trademarked it. I think it's mine. I'm pretty sure. Oh wow, that was great. Because at first I was writing down the challenge zone. I wrote mm. the comfort curve. I was writing all these different things. Mm. Productive discomfort mm. and the idea that um, proactive. Proactive discomfort. Uh, what did I say? Proactive. I, productive. Productive. One you said productive. No, 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 but no, it's no. Just, like it works too. <laughs> I like proactive. proactive discomfort. Yeah. You know, that, that was really helpful because, and the reason why I asked you that question earlier is, mm. listen, this could really come down to simply moving out of a home into a yom, right? And for everybody who doesn't know, if I, I, if I keep saying yom, that's because there's a brand new word I just learned. <laughs> I'm, right? I'm really happy you're remembering it. Most people are like, what is that place you live a in? A yurt plus dome a dome plus I a yurt is a yom, yes. <laughs> a yom. You know, but, but, but the reason why I asked that is because we started out so far with, you know, removing yourself from the trappings of a home. Right. But proactive discomfort is so much more than yes. just yeah. moving from Correct. a condo to a yom. Right. right. There it, will be people that could do what I am doing, but it's clear not everybody will. But there's, I love the idea of finding the common message, which I think is what you're pointing to right now. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, ahead, it's like, yeah, it's like, I mean, of course, the, the easy analogies are like anybody who trains for anything or if you lift weights, it's super uncomfortable. You're sore, right. but you are creating a base for your body that will help you age better. And, you know, we had Bo on our, I, I can even, you know, I can see if Bo's watching right now, which I know he watches a lot of our episodes, hmm. he would probably 
you know, violently agree with that. You know, it's like, you're, <laughs> you're creating a little bit of discomfort for something that's going to pay off. It also reminds me just really quick. Cause I want to throw this in here because when I start thinking about a message and, you know, one of the things that we unfortunately have in our modern day society is we have access to so much information and ideas and mm. it's just, Every once in a while, an idea really sticks with us. And so that's why Mark and I are always trying to work with people and be like, okay, that's a good idea on the surface. That sounds like a great idea, but how can you really make it stick for people? Well, I'll tell you for me, I was watching a video a couple of years ago. I have a really good friend of mine named Rajiv and he, um, he's, he's been up on a plant-based diet for a really long time. And he sent me this link to this video. And of course it was like, this guy was talking about like a lot of people like bacon. And he's like, if you, if a, if a pig walked into this room right now and you saw the pig and you, you became familiar with the pig and you knew the pig and then you wanted some bacon and you would have to go through all the acts that would happen in order for you to have bacon, which by the way, is so many more than you think, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's so much more than you think. Well, that's the abstraction, right? Right. It's, Cut yeah, bacon on a grocery by, shelf. It's all yep. behind that, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, I, and I fell in love with this too, Mark, when I, when he said proactive <clears throat> discomfort, I was like, you know, this thing that I said at the beginning, the whole thing of like, what happens when you remove yourself from the tra trappings and comfortability, blah, blah, blah. Like it's this long thing, but it's like, uh, actually your idea, Chad, falls somewhere into like, how do you practice proactive discomfort to be actually more, I mean, there's so many more benefits from it, being attuned, being aware, being connected. I love the story of you being intimately connected to your stove. Mm -hmm. Like, and I felt that, like, yeah. I mean, it's funny, but I felt it too. Like, it reminds me of what movie was it with uh, Tom Hanks, where he had the- Oh, the, the Wilson, yeah. Castaway, Castaway, cast right? <laughs> I mean, he became intimately connected to what he called Wilson, which was the ball. And- I don't um, talk to my stove. Just, we gotta keep, we gotta clear that up right now. <laughs> Not yet, anyways. Not yet. Maybe the day. Maybe yet, in February. Right? I'll start talking to it. <laughs> Hasn't been long enough yet. Yeah. Not long enough. <laughs> no, but right. I mean, so it maybe it's just I, I think we need to get people in a space to kind of I feel like it's doing I feel like it's doing some kind of, you know, you're doing I every single person lives a little bit differently, right? Mm -hmm. I mean. Mark lives a little bit differently. We have comforts in Portland, Oregon that he might not have because of the density uh, of the population in New York. So there's things that you have, and then there's things you have access to Mark that I don't because I can't walk outside in a grocery store a block away either. I have to right. like get in my car. So what if we did, I mean, what if it was getting people to, to do some sort of like tally of the things that they, you know, that they do that feel comfortable. That would be, I mean, that they have comfort in but what are the ones that could cause the biggest change on the other side? It's kind of what I was thinking. Mm. Like, because there's a million of them and you don't like, maybe not everybody wants to do the Chad thing, which is where you like, you get in your car and you drive to Maine and you're out in the middle of the woods. But yeah, what are I, the I admittedly did it in a way that, I mean, there's when you homestead, like, which is basically what I'm doing, that there's a, there's a much gentler way to, I was, I mean, I spent, I didn't mention this before, but I, and I decided this was on purpose. I spent the first five and a half months sleeping in my car until I actually got my first place. It, it was wow. an act of discipline. Like I, I, it was this idea of like, I'm moving from a 500 square foot studio condo and I'm moving into a 265 square foot building. That's sort of down comparison, right? So the idea was I'm gonna sleep in my car for a while to kind of set my expectations even lower than that. So that when I move in, 
it's going to feel like a palace, which is exactly what happened. Like it, the, it took about three months or something for my car to feel like, well, this is life now. This is normal. Right. And then when I moved into the Yom, it was just like, this is amazing. Like I have Woo, a shelf to set stuff a, on and I have a sink. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. <laughs> Composting so, toilet. Kind of, this is like, this is life. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it's cool to know. I mean, that, that sort of speaks to like the neuroplasticity, which is part of what I think yeah. it's part of the advantage when you can do something like proactive discomfort is it allows, it allows you to reset yourself. Like I literally in five months, I completely reset my lived expectations so that when I had the newest little thing, I'm like, oh my God, this is just the greatest thing ever. If you had given me a shelf in Portland, I'd have been like, I got these already. Right. But I yeah. swear to you, I was like giddy when I had my first shelf. <laughs> I mean, it was just imagine, imagine, but I'm telling you, that's what happened because I had no level hard surface to set things on for five months, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, wow. so that, that's one of the advantages of being able to make yourself uncomfortable for a while is you can, re like, I actually reset. It was way cool. Yeah. Mm. Chad, Mark, I want to go, go ahead. No, go ahead, Kathy. Go ahead. No, no, Mark. I want you to, I, I want to get your take on it, but don't you feel like it's, it's like in order for his idea to really connect with people, it's like, I, I imagine you having your, you know, your dinner conversation with your kids and, you know, what would be. What would be the one thing that what you know what comfort thing could you remove or adjust in their life that would make the biggest impact like because maybe it's just you know figuring out that one thing i don't know and i feel like it's one of those things chad tell me if i'm wrong you probably get a little bit of addicted to it like i not addicted but you know you yeah, get you, you, you get used to that feeling of like wow i'm really getting my own heat now i have to oh, yeah I have to take a shower with limited water. I can see how much water's left. I don't just, the water doesn't just keep coming out of this thing. Right. I, I can actually see how much water is left. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, yep, well, I kind of well, think of like the human ego, the human ego can find meaning in any behavior, you know? So if you're denying yeah. yourself something, it can be cool to deny yourself something kind of as I would say it. Yeah. That's Kathy, Kathy set it up. Kathy already set it up. So Chad, you should know, um, quite often after we have these conversations, I'll sit at the dinner table and I'll start talking about these ideas. So mm -hmm. so just so you know, right. we are going to be talking about proactive discomfort today <laughs> in the right. Williams home, right? Um, mm -hmm. And yes, I'm curious, if I ask my youngest to... Um, oh man, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of it. Is it a matter of giving up something? Or is it a matter of learning how to do something the 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 rough way? You know, mm -hmm. we, we roughing it, right? The rough way. You know, it's almost like, all right, we could go um, to the to the store and buy something to eat, right? Mm -hmm. um, but on, on a simple on a simple tone, right? What would it mean to make something from scratch, right? Yeah. You eat um, the apple. You're, I mean, it's yeah. just more eating apples. Eat more apples. If I was going to be like eat more apples, just eat. Don't talk about apples. You got eat apples as much as as much as you can, or or more. Just eat more apples. Yeah. Or or, you know what? It's so easy. Talk about New York. It's so easy to hop on the bus, the subway, get an Uber. What mm -hmm. if you had to walk to school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not right. talking two or three blocks. 
I'm talking the two miles that it takes to get there, right? right? You know, mm-hmm. what level of appreciation of that? But but I wanted to ask something else, Chad. You said to make mm-hmm. yourself uncomfortable for a while. So I'm wondering- I Well, that's how I reset my expectations, right? I mean, ah. I would, that's, I'm really glad that you said that because as you were talking about, like, you're gonna, I'm just having this image of like, they're sitting around the dinner table talking and then there's like one thing they do. And I'm like, oh, it feels like a bit anticlimactic, right? So I do think it needs to be some degree of length or intensity that creates an impact. Like it has to create some impact, right? And the other thing it reminded me of is this, is this, this idea of like embracing discomfort. I feel like discomfort has a similar adaptive quality as something like vulnerability does. So in other words, if I, I know when I feel vulnerable to share something or whatever, but I can feel that like wanting to hide or something. And then after I share it, like I feel a little more free. Well, if I shared that same thing again, I wouldn't be vulnerable. Like it, there's a, it, because my system adjusts, right? And so you're being vulnerable when you feel, I mean, I, again, I should probably put it in my own terms. I know I'm being vulnerable when I can feel that desire to protect myself from revealing myself. It's not the content. It's that, oh, I'm in the space where I'm protecting myself. So I think discomfort has a similar uh, flavor where when you do something that's uncomfortable, eventually you get used to it. Like I, I've been taking cold shower, outdoor cold showers for six months now. It was 37 degrees today. I had my water was 60 degrees. It was fine. It was in basically it was invigorating. Right. That's but a good I, got, I got there. I got there to where it's not like it's barely uncomfortable anymore. Honestly, like I don't think there's much challenge left, but I got there because I, I did it. All, I did it over and over again and I adapted. It became my system adapted so that I became whatever more resilient or stronger or whatever word that you want to use. And so that's no longer a place where I can seek the same kind of proactive discomfort because it my became system more comfortable with it became the more, I would say. Yeah. But, but in a similar way to vulnerability, like that, there's that sense of wanting to protect discomfort has a, has a, some kind of same flavor where you're like, oh, I don't oh. want to, I don't like that feeling, you know, and I don't, I don't get that much around the showers anymore. So I would need to do something if I you wanted need to more, go further than that. I would need yeah. to go further. Not that I have to, but I'm just saying, I think it yeah. points to what it means to, to engage proactive discomfort. It's not, it's actually not really an objective thing. It's, it's a subjective. You recognize when you're in the zone of your own personal experience that you want to retract, that you, you're feeling some kind of pulling back or whatever the flavor of that is for you. And I think that changes as you adapt and get stronger. So it's not a fixed it's not a fixed target, right? It's a moving target. I see this being a discomfort challenge. There's 30 <laughs> days of like, right? I mean, I, that could be a really- I have cool one for thing. you if you want one. <laughs> you, ha- you have a, just, you have what? What do you have? Go Tell for us. it, go for it. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm reflecting if, I, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm feeling a little fear, honestly, right now. <laughs> Maybe I'm- Me too. I'm just going to go for it, yeah. I know, so, me three. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna say like this this actually has a fairly practical a fairly practical application, which is well, so the question is, do you know how much water that you use by flushing your toilet? Just you individually in no. a year. Any Definitely guesses? Not. not even a day. Right. Um I'm trying to think if uh, 150,000 gallons a year. <laughs> That's way high. 
That's a lot. I'm gonna take a guess. I'm gonna take okay. a guess. Uh, 2016. He was way high. I'm gonna say like, between 800 and 1,000 gallons. 6,600 gallons is what I've oh seen in multiple, from multiple sources. That's one person using a, to- a flush toilet, every, you know, however often they do for a year. It's a lot of water, oh, right? Yeah, that's why, because I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a house with five. That's why my number was so high. Ah. <laughs> Right, his number the, was actually correct. But I'm, I'm yes. pointing to that piece of data because it it gives you an idea of like something could change better for the world, right? Like we could use a lot less clean water if people didn't didn't use flush toilets. And so the ch- the challenge I have is, can you go a month? You were saying thirty days. Thir- can you go thirty days without using any of the regular modern toilets in your house? And I don't mean hold it and go to the store. I mean find a yeah, way. Yeah, you mean to pee go and in the woods in your house <laughs> without using your toilet. And I can give you some help if you want it. Like if you're like maybe I might try that challenge. Uh, what? Well, yeah, give me, give us some. I'm scared yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. So <laughs> you got, you got. Wait, but I gotta. We should unpack this a little bit. Like, what? I want to know what's happening. I'm more scared for Mark than me too. Discomfort. Least... Let's explore it a little. <laughs> Mark, I live close to the woods. I'm, I'm a little more scared <laughs> than you, by the way. <laughs> um, what's my difference? Okay, hit us with it, Chad. Hit us with it. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah, and I'll, I should preface this by saying this is basically what you would do. You should like do a little more research. And I don't know about building codes <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but I'll tell you basically what I did. And it's, was, it's not hard. You build a box, five by five by five ish leave the top and the bottom open okay that's your compost bin you throw about 18 inches of leaves or whatever in the bottom as like a base and then you put hay on straw i'm sorry on top of that okay so you've got leaves and stuff uh, maybe a foot of straw okay then you get a bucket you put a lid on it you can buy these things they're like they're called reluggable loose it's a it's literally a five gallon bucket with a toilet seat on it you get some sawdust or peat moss you do your business in the bucket, you cover that with enough sawdust or peat moss so that you've cut off the oxygen supply for that particular episode, <laughs> right? <laughs> Basically, you just want to make enough cover on each layer that you, you cut off the oxygen supply so it doesn't stink, right? And you just build mm-hmm. it like, a, it's sort of like a weird kind of cake, right? You've got your, your organic matter and then your business and then your organic matter. And you just go in layers until the bucket's full, three quarters full probably. <laughs> When that's done, you dump it in the compost bin. You move the hay and you dump it in the compost bin and cover it back up with the hay. That's it. That's what I so do. So you're making a bigger, you're making basically making a bigger layer cake out in the compost bin, right? Yeah, not, yes. Well, you're, Kinda. that becomes a little more mixed up. The layer, the layering is meant to keep the smell down. And to, I think it yeah. also gives you like a biological diversity between the two. Mm. The compost is more like, um, I like, I like thinking of it like, a, like, um, like uranium, like there's a critical mass when it when you get enough compost, then it becomes active. It's like, yeah. it actually becomes hot. It's a composting process. You can stick a thermometer in it. And it's like, whatever it is, 120 or some degrees, even in, even in the winter, sometimes it can be warm. So it's, it's biologically active process that breaks down and eventually becomes fertilizer. Like mm. you, you could with your own with your own business after you know a year or two if you manage it properly could put that right on your garden and cook with it again sorry and grow with it again but instead there's six thousand six hundred gallons of water and your stuff magically vanishing 
right? To some place where you have no idea. And let's not forget the fact that that gets processed and comes back out of your faucet again. Sorry if oh, anybody wow. doesn't know that, but that's what happens. It goes to the water treatment plant and they like whatever they do. Yeah, and, then, and they filter. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're drinking yeah. it. <laughs> you're doing it anyways. You're just, you're, it's just become an abstract. It's just become abstract. It's all magically taken don't. care of for you. Yeah. But I mean, but like the raw way of saying it is deal with your own pee and poop for a month. Like that's, that's <laughs> uncomfortable for most you know, people. I, you know, I'm probably, I don't know if I, I can speak for you, Mark, but I'm going to, I'm going to say we need a smaller challenge to start off. With. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, and, I, I, I was going to say that. Yes. I, I'm, I'm going to concur with you on that. You okay. went from like level one to level hundred on the on the great though, uh, but that's challenge so we, zone. We I love we it. test for the range, right? We test for the range. You so test for the range. Well, and you honestly, just, you would need some woods or stuff. Like Mark, you'd be rough. <laughs> There'd be the whole compost bin part would be pretty pretty not easy in in uh, in New York. That's for sure. Yeah, I have yeah, ten acres of land, so I've got a, plenty of spots to put that kind of thing. Oh yeah, we'd probably be evicted from our building. If we <laughs> oh, day two. But the day story, two. the story you yeah. would have. Oh, what a great story. <laughs> oh man. Well, what about this though? What if there was like a, I was thinking about just little things and, and they all have their levels to them. Like I was thinking about, you know, my mom's side of the family, hundred percent Italian. I remember my Nana, who was my actual great grandmother, right? By the time right. she'd passed away, she was like four foot one. And, you know, she'd sit there and make her own raviolis. And now if I think about making my own pasta, I'm like, oh, but even right. if we did, like, even if you were like, oh, we're going to have spaghetti tonight. And Mark, you told the kids, you know, you're telling Sydney and Jordan and Dylan, you're like, hey, we're going to make our own pasta, which might be kind of fun. But even going down to the level of, well, but you have the flour, like, mm -hmm. like you didn't have to go like mill that flour from plants and whatnot. So there's, I think there's a lot of la layers, but Chad, how could we, I mean, I love the apple one, for instance, I wonder if there's a discomfort challenge that you could come up with or that people could create on their own where they started thinking about things where they could start to move their own needle and see the effects of it. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to eat an apple today instead of a ding dong, you right. know? Right. Right. Because so, the ding dong has been processed and has sugar we'll probably, and fat and other. We'll probably have to workshop this a little bit, but I want to, I want to say something that feel it feels personally important to, to me. I mean, I, I, obviously this may not apply equally to every, human and what's what's coming up for me is it was very important to me to pick a good range of challenge for myself right mm -hmm. like there's a difference between doing something that's a little uncomfortable and doing something that's impossible and somewhere in the middle there is where it's like my, the one I feel like is, is really where the sweet spot is for me personally is like, it's hard, but it's not impossible. Right. Mm, so yeah, it's not like a little flavor of discomfort. Like this is a, you get what I'm saying? It's like, there's, there's, yeah. like, this is a little yep. bit uncomfortable. Like my nose is itchy and I don't, I'm not going to scratch it versus like, mm. I'm, if this gets any harder, I might be overwhelmed. Like there is a very big qualitative difference between those two. Totally. Right? So I guess, I guess I'm taking a bold step and advocating for, for, for feeling a level of discomfort where it's not overwhelming. It's not like you're going to die or anything, but, but you feel a real challenge, right? It's a level where you feel in an actual challenge zone. Not yeah, where it's you know, like, oh, that's know, a little hard. I don't want to do that again. 
Yeah. You know, you, you know, I, I, and I don't know if this is on that level, right? But I think about, you know, having a family here in New York, we've got a car. And what if for, you know, X number of days, or X number of weeks, we did not use that car to go anywhere, mm. right? We right. had to go to the market. We had to carry the groceries. You know, it, it almost reminds me of how, you know, they, 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 put this whole thing you know about plastic bags and things like that and I'm going into the supermarket and I'm like no I won't take a bag that <laughs> mean that I'm now carrying right because now I'm not necessarily getting the Oreos and all those other things <laughs> I only have so many arms that I have to carry you know right. so without the car without the bags like you know what 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 you know what could we do without I, I would tell you I don't know if my family's up for it mm. but that would probably be a big proactive discomfort. Right. Well, I'm and you're you're pinging me on that sort of direct physical experience. You, you're carrying something two miles. You're feeling the weight of it that entire time. Your body is getting information from that experience the entire time. You know, and that when I when I first got here and I was contemplating this digging a well thing, I was going to hand dig my own well. I hauled water. I actually still am hauling water from my neighbor as well. And that first time I did it. I had to walk, I literally picked two, up two buck, five gallon buckets and carried them like a thousand feet. And by the end, there was a couple, one was like, well, I don't want to do that again. Cause that was like, my hands were going to get torn off because the water was so heavy and I walked so long, but, but the entire way I was loading in information. This is what mm. water, this is, this is what this resource feels like, right? This is how, and, and I would, if I had to, I would carry it because I have needed to survive. And this is what it would feel like to do that. You know, so it's just, it loads in a, all kinds of information that I don't think you get the same kind if you're, if you're not doing something that directly uh, is impacting your body, at least for me, like it, it's, it's such a, it's such a more powerful experience, you know? And that's 10 gallons. Like that's probably like, I don't know the numbers on this, but it's, uh, it's probably one flush. 80, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like eight, it was 80 some pounds. If I remember correctly, 80, 88 pounds of water. But yeah, doesn't, I mean, in the modern house, that wouldn't last at all. Yeah. You'd probably, I'm sure you I, yeah. use, easily use more than 10 gallons a day. I use 10 gallons in a month right now. Like I'm really, because because I have to, I, li I haul it in a cart now, but I haul it, right? And so when I wash a dish, I'm like, what is the least amount of water I can use to wash this dish? Yeah. It is a, yeah, yeah. It is a precious resource because of how I'm engaged with it. And, you know, when I'm hauling it, there are moments where I'm like, this sucks. I'll be honest with you. It's not all mean, right? Like it is, but, but all it's very similar to the yoga thing I said earlier. It's like this, this small period where I have to haul it, where it's like, this is uncomfortable, but there's this very large period where I have this much more, same thing, like this intimate relationship with it. It's like, wow, this is, I have this, this is, I need this to live. And I'm going to be very like attentive to how I use it. How are you better yeah. because of it? Are you healthier? Are you mm. stronger? Are you going to live longer? Mm. And, and I know you started this off by saying, listen, I'm not the expert. I'm experimenting, right. but I'm curious. You, you well, I love you challenging with that question. How am, I, how am I better? Well, am I healthier? I'm definitely emotionally healthier mm. in, in many ways. I just feel more connected. Like in that sense, it feels healthier. Yeah. Um, I have beat up my body a little bit, but I think that was, more because of my pace than what actually what I did. I, I did. I mean, when I arrived, I had a stump filled clearing and now I have a home and I did it in seven months. It was a bit fast. Right. So I kind of, kind of beat myself up a little bit. So, 
how else? I mean, the, the connection piece is a big deal. I'm not sure if I can overstate that, you know, then there's just that there's just a much more embodied understanding of, of these things are precious resources, which, it, which feels important to me in sort of the communal sense, right? Like I just value heat and water in a way that I didn't before because I had to suffer a little bit to get it, you know? Let me take, let me take Mark's question and go a little bit bigger with it because, you know, if you were giving this as a Ted talk, Chad, mm -hmm. one of the things that, you know, we would be asking you is how will this idea change the lives of other people, right? That's ultimately the end game of a talk like that. Right. It's not, it's not, sometimes people misinterpret what a Ted talk is. And sometimes people think, oh, it's just somebody who did something really cool. Like you, you're just listening to what they did. Cause that alone is very fascinating what you did. I mean, I'm mm. following you on Instagram and watching your videos and it's super fascinating. So that piece is easy. But then it's like, how do you translate that to the bigger, you know, to a, a larger? And so what I would ask is this, I would take Mark's question and, and ask it bigger. Now, of course, this is only hypothetical, but this is also you testing your idea yep. going, ultimately, what would it look like if other people were practicing that same discomfort that you are practicing to be more connected? What do you think it would do in societies, communities, maybe families, maybe to other individuals? Like, I don't know, give me, give me, give me a kind of a, a what would it look like? Impact, yeah. It kind of feels like you're asking the question, like, if my idea came to massive, successful fruition, how would the world be different? Might be another way to. Maybe, or maybe just how if more people did it, or mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not expecting not every, not every even good idea in the world does everybody cling on to, but definitely. But what's the enough to make? Yeah, what's the impact? <laughs> I'm having a moment here. Where I'm like all throughout this time we've been together, I just sort of have like something at the ready. And right now I feel a little bit slower, you know, like I'm, I'm slowing down. I'm actually legitimately considering. And, and the first thought that comes to my head is it's easier for me to, to talk about how it's changed me, you know? And I guess the, I think that matters because I don't believe my brain or consciousness works all that radically different than other humans, you know? And so while people's flavors might be different, like maybe they choose some other thing where they in, embrace some discomfort, I do think, or they, or, you know, so there's the embracing the discomfort piece, or there's this idea of like, get rid of the abstractions and like get in and eat the apple, that kind of thing, that they're going to have their own similar quality of waking up and appreciation that I did. It won't be exactly because it's, you know, it's a little, maybe their vehicle is a little different. Well, so you know, yeah, it, just, mind, it feels, it's hard. It's hard for me to do it. It's, it's easier for me to just go, I think I'm a normal person basically. And this is how it changed my life. So I, I, I think it's probably going to have a somewhat similar impact, you know? You are a normal person, Chad, I would say with, uh, with creative, like you do things beyond what a normal person does, but I mean that in a really awesome way. I definitely think you push yourself more, but that's cool. Like, yeah. I think you're right. But I mean, the, like my brain is structured similarly. I have yeah, similar yeah. human wants and needs. Like, I'm not a sociopath. Like all those right, things right, right, like, right. I'm, nor I'm normal in that way, right? <laughs> I wasn't saying you're a creative sociopath or anything like that. <laughs> I agree with you. I, 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 I yeah. but, I, but here's where I think the magic lies in your idea. So that's why I wanted to tell you yeah. that I think you're somebody that practices a little bit more than the normal person, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think if you think about what you, some of the things that you said, and you said the magic was in it being hard but not impossible. 
And mm-hmm. I think well, that it is that, for me. I can't I can't one hundred percent say that's going to be for everybody, right? But but, but that's a, that's a that's a thing that changes with with each person. So I feel like that is something that could work. I feel like that is something that could be pretty universal. Because something that, I mean, think about it. I mean, I'm thinking about aging parents and stuff like that. that it's hard for them to bend over and pick something up on the ground. So when right. you talk about hard, not impossible to a, to a, you know, to a 20, 30, 40, 50 year old, pick something up. No problem. Right. right. But I think the magic was in that. I love that to me, that, that was like the heart of your idea is that if you do something that's hard, but not impossible, you've moved from comfort to discomfort i proactively move from you know discomfort comfort to discomfort and in that you find connection you find awareness you feel like i i mean i'm summarizing back to you all the things that you said my my whole system becomes more vital as well you know like my capacity has increased massively to to handle to handle input to just take care of myself in terms of a survival scenario just know like i've had a tremendous boost in confidence just knowing i could do it right like i not just not just the building of the place but but all of the producing of the videos like i was terrified i mean i this is something i haven't talked about much but that was a huge fear for me to put myself out there as like i call it like the tip of the spear on a creative project i'd never really anytime i'd ever done something creative i was always like supporting here this is your project let me help you you know Mm -hmm. but now it's my vision it's my idea and it was it was a part of it was terrifying. And so I had to do all this hard manual labor and do this art project where I was like, I'm going to, people might hate this. I'm really scared, you know? And, and that was, so it was like multiple levels of challenge there for sure. And I grew in both of those ways. Now I actually have that. I, I guess I would say that goes to the capacity thing. Now I, I believe in myself sort of like, I believe I can, I can produce this kind of art or, or, you know, produce something that people could find meaningful. I've gotten, I've, I feel fortunate to have gotten feedback on all on my writing, on my Instagram posts and on my videos that, that, that have had some positive impact, all three of them. So that was really like this amazing gift that I got for having some level of courage to put myself out there a little more as people have shared with me that in some way in all those mediums, they've felt some impact. And, and I, I can totally relate to that, Chad, because I've been following you as well. And so to be able to see the whole range of what you've been doing, I feel like I've got the inside view to that. And I get that um, 100%. But if we're talking and Mark, I don't know, I, I have something to ask you, Mark, because I like, you know how we're always trying to like come up with concepts or a way to like, you want people to go through door number one, right? You want them to just come through the door of your idea. And I wrote something down that I thought might be in that realm of like, you know, find your hard, not impossible um, to practice, you know, proactive discomfort. I, I feel like that's the range of, of what is, is a really good idea. I mean, I can, you know, the toilet thing scared me, Chad. I have to be honest. Like it really did. Yeah. And I mean, my son buy, builds tiny homes too. So I get it. Like he's built a composted toilet and like, I, you know, I feel closer than probably a lot of other people to that right. in some ways, but it's- I just, know you can do it. Like I get, totally get, you might not want to, or it might be scary, but like <laughs> I 100% believe you could take the actions and pull it off. Yeah, I, no I probably could, which- then does feel like it does something inside of me. Right. And that's, I think that's the thing you want to get in people is what is that? What's the hard, not impossible. And there's probably, 
different areas. Right. What about the person? Well, hang who, on just one sec. Cause I, I want to slow this down a little bit and we can tie that into the, the yeah, way back yeah. in the beginning, we were talking about this whole idea of the relational meditation piece. And this is actually, we can describe it a little bit right here, which is that, that there's already something happening, right? In other words, we don't, we can just slow down and zoom in on what's happening for you. Just as you considered the idea of doing that, like what came up, there's already movement, right? Like you haven't taken a physical action at all, but there's already something shifting in you. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome, Chad. See, that's what I, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yep. I, I think, you know, what about the person, for instance, this could be really valuable in so many areas. You did it in your living in the way that you live, right. In the way that you have a home in the way that you, but what about the person um, that's having, you know, health conditions and there's people that maybe eat too much meat or fat or sugar or something like that. And then they find that as they're hard, but not, you know, not impossible. And so I feel like, I feel like your idea could have an array of great, of so many different possibilities. And agreed, agreed. I I feel like I need to develop it more to, there's a, there's a place you're pointing at something where I've developed so much confidence, like I was saying before and producing the art and doing these things. And that what we're, what we're on right now is like, this feels like, yes, that's the meaning that's that the, the vehicle is meant to deliver. And I haven't yet developed the full confidence that I can pull that off yet. That's in process. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I can't do it, but there's this part of me that feels it's like- It's hard, oh, but not impossible, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's in, it's certainly in my challenge zone. Yeah, which feels yeah. good. I mean, it's one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you guys because I knew, I trusted that we would get to exactly this place where, where I was feeling challenged as to how I could bring this vision in the world in a way that would impact people's lives, which is what I want to do. I mean, I, I'm glad I'm out there in the woods, but like, if I'm honest, what I really want to do is be, is help to make people's like, I want to make an impact in the world, right? I can't control that, but I have this hope that whatever art I produce, whatever work that I do, that somebody comes along and goes, that meant something to me. Like I became a better person because I, I, I got an idea from you. I, watch something and then I got the confidence that I could do it. I mean, I, I think about my own, my own experiences, having that same thing with other people, you know, like that it was one of the biggest things that got me to step out. I kind of, this, this actually feels really important. So probably the, the final fulcrum that got me to say, I'm going to do this art project, even though it scares me is when I realized how much other people taking the same risk have benefited me. You understand what I'm saying? Like, these other people, they had the courage to share their vision and I was impacted and it changed my life. I don't want to hold back an expression that could have a similar impact on somebody else's life. It was mm. when I realized that I was like, I got to do this. You know what I mean? That was the final, sort of the final straw. Well, Chad, I got to tell you, I, I like Kathy got really uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> with the thought of, um, you know, creating my own, uh, Sewage system in my <laughs> um, Brooklyn, New York. That would be more challenging for sure. Right? But but I will say this: as far as what you just said a few moments ago, you changed me, hmm. and you probably changed Kathy, and you probably changed anybody who listened. Because even though I'm not ready to give up the toilet in my home, hmm. you've got me thinking about what I can do. And then that, that has been the impact towards being more vital, 
being more confident, being more appreciative, being right. more resourceful, right? right? I don't imagine that you're going to live in Maine, your yom for the rest of your life, right? I don't imagine. Probably not. Probably not. Right? right? Um, but when this experiment is over, you will come away a different person. Yep. And you have impacted myself today. I'm going to speak personally, as you've done today, mm. you've impacted me personally by getting me to think about the heart not being possible, right? Um, right. You got me to think about the, the, the proactive discomfort, about that challenge zone, about, you know, having this desire to be comfortable, but realizing that there's a certain peak mm. in comfort yep. where things start to turn around. Go downhill, yeah. Right? And before yeah. comfort takes us downhill, why don't we challenge ourselves proactively, make ourselves discom uh, discomfortable? That's not a word. We're gonna go with <laughs> I love it though. I love where you're going with it, Mark. Guys, <laughs> um, I, I just want to share with you the impact um, right. that we're already having in this conversation, right? That's how it's changed me. So mm -hmm. if, totally. if we could begin to, to wrap this conversation, my question would be how has this conversation? changed you or evolved mm. idea or developed your idea to that next level right well right now what's living in me is it, it, i feel like there's a distillation happening which is and i've been, i've been searching for this as we've been in this last section of the conversation some way to be a little bit more succinct with what we're talking about and it's something like don't forget that your soul craves vitality not comfort so, something along those lines like re remember that as a human being what you really want is to feel fully alive don't confuse that with being comfortable i mean mm. it might involve some comfort but it's not what it's not what you're on the planet for probably you know mm. stay on target vitality. stay on target <laughs> i like that crave vitality not comfort not comfort i, I know that's what, I love that's what that. your soul wants or something it's what my soul wants right like when i've nice. tuned back in yeah nice nice well listen chad this has been awesome um i i, I would love i i don't know if we're going to come visit you at your at your yeoman name um, i would love that I, <laughs> I i'm going to i want to you can poop in my compost bucket <laughs> they're waiting for you that's going to be my test i'm going to poop in chad's <laughs> compost toilet first <laughs> before I create my own. We'll call it a trial run. We'll call it, yes. A... <laughs> oh, on, oh, on, that, on that note, if anybody wants to find out about you, um, follow you more as you continue through this experiment, yep. learn about relational meditation. Mm. How, how, how do people find out about you and learn more about you? Yeah, sure. And the easiest way is I, I made a website for this whole adventure. So it's life to live dot one. So life, life to live dot O N E. And you can go there and you can scroll to the bottom of any page and there's links to social media and various stuff. You can follow. I've got a YouTube channel where I produce occasional videos. I've got Instagram where as Kathy knows, I'm firing stuff off almost every day. And I've, I write some blog posts too, that are probably a bit more on the philosophical side. And you can find all links to all that stuff uh, at life to live dot one. Thank you, Chad. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything. Thank you for dropping this idea on us mm. and, and, and giving us the opportunity to talk with you about it and, mm. and help you to take it to that next level and, and get some more people to be proactively discomfortable. 
again. <laughs> I love it. Discomfortable could be could be his thing. That like, could be the. It does. Be it the, wakes you up. Like what? That That's could be thing. the idea because you're listening and you're like discomfortable. <laughs> Practice discomfortable. Thank you guys for inviting me. This was it was so much fun. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. And listen to anybody else who's out there watching. Kathy and I would be happy to make up new words for you. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure you go to our website. It's about to go down. Show, check out our YouTube channel uh, for it's about to go down. We'd love to have you. We'd love to talk to you. Or if you know anybody else you think would have a great time having a conversation with us. Um, So until the next time, thank you for joining us um, and join us again for it's about to go down.